With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Good afternoon and welcome to the Double or Nothing podcast, hosted by myself, Clark Cummings, alongside my partner, Alex Russian, in collaboration with DraftKings, the best place to play daily fantasy sports for cash prizes. Today is September 9th and we are in the second week of the U.S. Open and got some drama going on with the NBA playoffs, but let's start with addressing the issue of Novak Djokovic and look ahead to the next few days at the Open Alex, I want to get your thoughts on everything that happened with Djokovic. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think it was an unfortunate situation. Um, he definitely made a mistake, and he's going to pay for it, uh, definitely with that default. And uh, he's got to be smarter in those situations, especially um, when he knows what's on the line, you know, another uh, career slam and stuff like that. And... Um, I mean, we were talking about this in the pre-show yesterday about, uh, you know, John McEnroe's quote and going back and forth on what we believed of, uh, you know, McEnroe kind of came at him for not facing the media afterwards and uh, just apologizing. And I made the point of uh, that's what the beauty of social media now that you don't have to go through the filtration system that is the media. Um, but you made a very interesting point, um, which I do believe I agree with now that it's like, it's something about facing the music. Um, and so he didn't really accept that responsibility initially. It was only once after the fact that, um, that he started to apologize and things of that nature, and he didn't face that music. And so uh, I definitely think that that speaks to uh, his character a little bit and why he's uh, not liked as some of his, um, some of his um, what do you call it, compatriots. Compatriots, yeah. I so when I look at a situation like this, you got to break it down. First off, what happened prior to the situation, on and off the court. Off the court, he's been a little bit of a jackass and hasn't been uh, the easiest person to get along with in terms of ATP, coronavirus, all that stuff. You know, he has this Adriatic, whatever the f- Adriata tour in Serbia. They go out and party. Uh, him and a bunch of younger guys that don't have enough experience and maturity, team, Zverev, uh, those guys. So he, he, he f- up there big time. And then in the beginning or towards the Western and Southern, he forms this PTPA union, whatever this is going to be. Doesn't include the women, kind of getting backlash there, getting backlash from the ATP. People are just – he just raises eyebrows there. People don't understand what's going on. And then he he plays an okay set against Karina Busta. Down 6-5 and gets broken and just decides to let the ball fly. So he, he hits the ball in the back of the fence and hits a lady in the, in the throat. My problem is the he hit the ball recklessly. He, he should be defaulted. Everyone has to accept that. Some people on Twitter saying, oh, I don't know if Djokovic should be defaulted, you know, blah, blah, blah. What if it hit her foot? Look at Shapovalov, whatever the hell his name is, Denis Shapovalov. Uh, look at what he did in 2017 and then look at Nalbanian and U.S. Open, whatever it was, and then look at what Serena's issues at the U.S. Open here there. He, the right thing to do was to be defaulted. Now... It's the 15 minutes afterwards where I have a problem with Djokovic, and this is why he'll, he won't be considered one of the best players of all time. He sat there and argued for 15 minutes about the f***ing, pro, about the f***ing thing. Take the, take the responsibility and go and move on. Now, that tweet or Instagram he posted two hours after he left, he didn't go to the media and stuff like that, that's a problem. 
you got to address the situation right on, right there, accept responsibility. I don't think Djokovic is that sorry. He's sorry that he got defaulted and he can't play. But is he sorry for the incident? No, he didn't face the music. He didn't apologize. He, you see, he was he went up to the lady and he was always looking around. He wasn't looking at the ba- the lady. He didn't run to the lady. He didn't give a fuck. He was worried that he might get defaulted. The ATP did the right thing. The thing with the ATP or the U.S. Open did the right thing. I am a little annoyed with the with the U.S. Open and the umpires. The umpires have to be consistent. They are they're soft. They're very loose. They need to be consistent with their calls and whatever, point penalties, game penalties, defaults. They need to be consistent, and that's what I think. At the end of the day, when this U.S. Open wraps up, it's going to be hopefully Serena gets number 24 and she can take away the storyline of Djokovic hitting a ball lady in the what round of 16. We need Serena to win the U.S. Open to take away from that storyline. Don't you agree? I mean, for sure, I want Serena to win and we need her to win just regardless of everything. But I think the thing with Djokovic, like you said, is just like, and the funniest thing to me, I feel like there should be memes about it already, is like the look on his face when he sees what he did, he just instantly shits his pants because he knows he f***ed up. And like, I mean, the what Nalbandian did and what Dennis did, they absolutely like, I mean, Dennis murked the ball and then Nalbandian just literally split this dude's shin and it was bleeding so there was no I mean I think those were a lot harder but the difference was the pinpoint I mean he literally hit her in the throat in the esophagus so like maybe it wasn't as hard as like the the ball that Chapovalov hit but I mean the thing literally hit her in the throat so like it's pretty good accuracy I gotta say but either way it's not really like the thing to joke about but I mean the rule's a rule. The umpires have to stay consistent, but the rule's a rule. It's a default no matter what, so he should know that, especially being a veteran on this tour. Um, by, you know, 100% he should have been defaulted. I don't think anybody, um, you know, can argue about that. And then, yeah, those 15 minutes are, uh, you know, in the heat of the moment, that's when those your true colors kind of come out. And uh, and I think it speaks to his authenticity, was a, which is a big problem for him and his image, because I think, you know, that's why, you know, a lot of fans don't like him as much they, as they like Roger and Nadal. And uh, also uh, people like Curious and stuff when they make little comments about him. And it's because of that. It's because he wants to be liked so bad. And I think he's so jealous. I actually don't think he's that bad of a guy, but I think he's just... You know, just that tennis culture environment that people grow up in. He's a little weird already, a little corny, a little off. And uh, on top of that, he's just very, very jealous. So he's just like, it's just a bad look in general. But again, like we said, um, it happened and and he's paying the price as far as like, you know, he just gave up a career grand slam, which could be a very, very big momentum um, switch as far as like the GOAT debate goes and things like that. So He's paying his price, I'm sure. He's going to have to reevaluate, but, I mean, he's out now. And, uh, you know, no one remembers who lost in the round of 16 or the quarterfinals. So uh, let's definitely get into some meaningful tennis, too. Uh, You and I have had this conversation in the last few days talking about what we're going to say in terms of what Novak uh, did and stuff like that. And we we honestly agreed uh, about many things. But the one thing we really agreed about was the presence of college and stuff like that. You go to college and you learn a lot of things in the classroom, off the classroom, in your head. You learn so many things. So I think with some of these guys like Djokovic, you know, not facing the music right away, um, uh, Dennis, um, all these guys that didn't go to college, they have a little bit of I don't feel like they're maturing as fast as someone like you or I. I know they're on different stages. We went to college, stuff like that. There's just different ways to look at these things. But these guys have no market value, no ter- no form of branding. How – I am I mean we look at it right here and we see the quarterfinals. you got Medvedev, team, Karina Busta, uh, Rublev. Those four, basically, right there. Zverev, it's kind of a slowly becoming the next generation of tennis, Titsipas. Uh, you look at kids around today, 
I don't know any kids that are like, oh, I'm so excited to watch a team interview. You know, I'm so excited to watch a team and watch him play. And then you want to listen to his interviews. There's no one. These guys have no form of marketing value because they can't speak. Their public speaking is shit. And they do some weird things on Twitter. Some very, very weird things. I mean, right off the bat, let's just look at uh, Stefano's Twitter, which for me is just I mean, it's awful to watch, but let's see. The last, the big one that stands out to me, and uh, Crack Rackets posted about one of these, was, is there anything more American than the humble hot dog? The next one is a video of him saying, reaching for new heights, where he's literally jumping and hitting a sign on the street and then walking towards the camera, fist bumping at it. Let's, I mean, let's be frank here for a second. I think the biggest problem is that these guys are homeschooled. Like, they're super, super weird. Um, if you look at other sports, they, uh, school is promoted. And education is a big thing about creating a well-rounded person. But it's not just about, like, being smart. Um, it's about what you learn in school aside from what's in your textbooks. And that's social skills. That's dealing with professors, dealing with coaches, dealing with classmates, you know, learning to talk to girls, going to prom, all these type of experiences that make us like grow as a human being. And they're lacking these things. So they have such a closed mind that they're just unable to, and they don't know what's good and what's bad. And they haven't had almost someone, a big brother there to like make fun of them for the uh, shirtless selfie they just posted in the Maldives. You know what I'm saying? Like that stuff just went fly because it's just a little awkward and I mean another one and this is the cringiest one ever to me I mean this made me want to stop watching tennis for literally a year like Denis Shapovalov's uh freestyle at Miami oh my gosh that's another prime example and it's just like dude like what are you doing bud yeah I mean it's just it's cringy and if you separate the guys who go to college the, the girls and guys that go to college look at the tour you got Jen Brady, you got Danielle Collins, you have Isner, you have uh, Steve Johnson. There's a, there's multiple guys in there, and you can see by the way they speak, interact with fans, interact with media, interact with sponsors, that it's just different. And these guys, you can gravitate towards them a little better because they can actually speak and Old conversations, you know, Titsy Pass, Verb. I mean, they're getting better, but it's just it's taken a lot of time. It looks like I know they're young and stuff like and stuff like that, but they need to. Uh, it's just the homeschooling. I don't think helps in any any facet. Yeah, I don't think it helps in any facet. I mean, maybe in ATP University to t teach like a pop culture class or a social media class. I mean, I would love, you know, it'd be amazing. I would love to watch Titsy Pass's face watching the Watt video. And I'd also think he his jaw would just drop. He wouldn't know what to process it. His head might explode. That'd be a pretty interesting one. Um, but... I mean, moving on from that, think about also what he did on the court earlier this summer where he was like singing and uh, he's literally singing on the bench and he's like, yeah, I love Justin Timberlake. And then he sings like an Adam Levine song or something like that. It was just like, dude, what do you even like? I mean, talk about something or sing something that you actually even know. But it's. It's all about that. And you don't even have to – I mean I think college definitely is the correct path. And then like if you're really killing it, maybe leave after a year like uh, uh, Beanock or like Noah Rubin or something like that. But you don't even necessarily have to go to college. But I think it's just the trajectory of the way you do things. Like, uh, you know, Taylor, for example, um, and we're really tight. So I saw him, you know, grow up. I think the route that he took is one of the best routes because what he did was he went – um, to regular school all his life. He played every single sport. He played lacrosse. He played basketball up to like uh, through middle school and even freshman year, I think. And then sophomore year, he started to excel more in tennis. And then he was like, all right, you know, maybe junior year, let's do this homeschool thing and really give it a crack. And like, this is like going to start becoming something that could be my career now. But the thing was, what's so great about that to me is he was exposed to everything before. So the fact that he chose tennis is because he really, really liked tennis. So, and to be good at this level, you have to have an extreme amount of commitment. And I think that's just uh, the way to go because that way that individual, that child, that kid doesn't feel like he's missing out on anything. 
He had time to develop as a person. And uh, he's doing this because he really wants to, not because that's the only thing he knows. And I think that's the most important part. And also the last thing on this topic, I guess, for me is just with a level with a level of maturity, I think that um, – I mean, a more mature person is a more mature tennis player. I know that for myself as a senior in uh, college, I'm a better tennis player than I was as a freshman. And that's, uh, I mean, in a big way down to maturity. Yeah, and even if you go to college for six months, you still learn a lot of things. So it's not, we're not talking about, hey, go to college for four years, you know. You got to learn how to, the adversity that, that kind of stings you in the ass. These guys are kind of protected you know and i think the protected helps hurts them uh and it's hurting them now with their behavior on the court you know titsy passes and zavera they, they don't act that well on the court and so i mean i've studied taylor fritz's path and he was he played so many sports and he was kind of really focused on tennis but you know if you you play more than one sport sometimes you know you it's just you interact with different sports, you know, tennis here, the basketball helps you here and stuff like that. And they were talking about this on the other night with some athlete, so uh, some tennis player. I don't remember who it was, but I just think the, the path of going to college is really exciting. Playing college tennis, you know, going to parties, going to classes, interacting with friends, how to time management, how to schedule, you know, meeting with your advisor, meeting with your teacher. It helps in the long run. And. Uh, for those younger guys, I think they're missing that right now. And with this tournament, we see that this is going to be the next generation, the ne- the future. But how are we going to gravitate fans? You know, and I think we need obviously we need some more Americans to to step up, and we need some personalities because personalities are very attractive. You look at Kyrgios; people like Kyrgios because he's very attractive, and and he's just you don't know what he's going to say. So it's very you need some unexpected ness in there and curious definitely offers that to many fans and i know many american fans uh, like curious because of that you know he probably doesn't do everything correct but he's a very uh marketable guy because of his personality he might cross the line here and there saying some things but he, he kind of reminds me of a ufc guy you know a ufc fighter like like conor mcgregor jose aldo or any of these guys you know they have to talk before to call out someone else and it just adds and adds and adds. You know, I like watching a guy, you know, get kicked, like kicked in the face and punched and get knocked out. But the drama and the suspense of them talking shit, you know, McGregor and, and Mayweather was such a huge fight because they had, what, four or five press conferences and it was constantly just budging at each other, talking shit and saying, you know, Floyd saying, hey, Connor, you know, Connor, you're a fucking because you tap out. Floyd, you can't read a Dr. Seuss book and stuff like that. So it's just we need to get into a more energetic and, uh, you know, good relationship with the fans. And I think it starts with having good rhetoric skills and uh, leaning on your public speaking and how to mark how to market yourself I mean- to a bigger crowd. Of course, and I think it does – it accomplishes a few things. First of all, I mean just from a maturity level, you know, you're not going to act like a baby. If you act like a baby in college, most of the time your coach is going to kick you off the court or he's going to teach you a lesson of some kind or you're going to be running at 6 a.m. the next day or cleaning the f-ing gym, whatever it is. But if you have that level of maturity, those things you learn from college, let's say, uh, you're not going to see something like Titsy Pass hit his dad on the bench or Djokovic act the way he did for 15 minutes after that. That is a byproduct of uh, the way they were brought up and things like that. And you don't really see other guys um, who have a more well-rounded, wider perspective acting in that way because they have the idea that tennis isn't everything. And when they can um, put that into perspective, it it becomes a sport and they're still out there competing hard. But I think it almost um, makes them even better because since it's not everything, you know, they're not – Um, they're not stressing that much. They can go out and play freely. And I think uh, they don't get in the way of themselves as much from, and you don't even, I mean, college is definitely the way to do it, I think, but even high school, I'm not even, 
asking for college, I'm just begging for at least a little high school um, at the minimum. But, you know, college is the way to go. And some guys are in more of a rush. And if you're killing it, you know, go on tour. It's like in the NBA. You know what I mean? If you're going to be able to make that kind of money, be a one and done. Go to the NBA and cash out. But if not, you know, I think if you're good enough at 18, there's no reason you're not going to be good enough at 22. You'll be better at 22 than you were at 18. So I don't think that time in college is uh, – definitely something that would be negative. I think it would only be positive because it's not going to regress your level by any means. It's going to probably get you better. And as far as just like, think about jobs afterwards too, because a tennis career and a athletic career only lasts really till you're about 30. I mean, in some cases in the NFL, it lasts way shorter. Some people like these tennis players might even quit uh, a little early, say like uh, Sophia Zouk, for instance, she was uh, an up and coming Russian girl, got around 100 in the world about there. And then she quit to do modeling. She was living in Miami. And I think, you know, she just realized that there was better things out there for her. And uh, that also speaks to Taylor, you know, knowing that he really wanted to do this, having already been exposed to other things. But it's an investment. These short careers, and let's say max, you're there till you're 35. I mean, Fed's a f-ing unicorn. He might be able to play till he's 42 like Tom Brady, but there's only one Fed. And uh, so because of that, it's an investment into what your options are afterwards. And also, you know, now because of being more well-spoken and things like that, stuff you learn, public speaking skills, now, you know, it might open up a career uh, in the commentary booth or something like that. And uh, it's also, you know, it's hurting their dollars too. Think about tennis players the way they were uh, back in the day when they were rock stars. Somebody like Agassi, you know, who grew up on the scene, a hustler in Vegas, and he was in an academy surrounded by kids, all those type of things. The guy was a rock star. Pete Sampras won way more Grand Slams than Agassi did, but who made more money? I mean, image is everything, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the commercial. So being able to be marketable uh, stems from one's personality and uh, that creates dollars in their bank account, brings more fans to the sport of tennis, and it also, it also makes them relatable. And that's the reason we don't have a lot of fans, because who can relate to f***ing Titsipas, dude? Not really anybody. The common fan can't. And so I think just being a more normal human being and being cooler is also just going to make you more relatable. Same, like We talk so much about Roddick and how cool Roddick was, and uh, he was able to achieve that and bring other fans uh, to the sport and uh, just make it interesting. So, you know, it's more money for them, and it also brings more fans in and, like, allows them to have a career afterwards. It's, I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. You know, the biggest conversation right now in terms of college basketball is the one-and-done rule. I've always been a proponent of uh, extending the one-and-done rule because, I mean, look at look at how fun college sports is. They're not getting paid, but we're having this argument right now, demanding pay and, hey, let these guys pay. And Serena just broke. Alex and I uh, are big Serena fans. So Serena lost the first set 6-4, and it's one all now. Big one all victory. I may or may not have, you know, 150 on Serena. Uh, I can legally talk about my bets because I'm not an NCAA athlete. Alex, on, on the other hand, is not gotten into the gambling side yet because he's an NCAA athlete. But he's been studying the lines, and maybe in a three or four years, he'll he'll be a, a degenerate like me. But um, yeah, I know I, I agree with what with what you're saying, and I really look at it as the one and done rule in college basketball because. A lot of these guys don't know they're they're just in there for the basketball terms, but once you turn forty, your legs, you know your your miles get up to you. Everything starts to kind of screw you. So you got hopefully forty years after that, and I mean a lot of people can live on fifty million dollars, but the the swing man, the tenth the tenth guy on the or the tenth player on the Blazers team who's playing 10 minutes a game, you know, he needs to have an education. He needs to kind of have a fallback. So, hey, if you tear your ACL and you're out for two years and then you don't get it back, you got to have a fallback. And college is that fallback and education stuff like that. So, you know, it's tennis. I do agree with you. The high school thing is – the high school thing in, is mandatory. I wish there was no more homeschooled athletes because they really missed the – the fun of prom, but they also miss the fun of, you know, going to the, uh, a basketball game at eight o'clock and watching their high school team play their rival and going, you know, taking a few shots before and and just getting 
riled up and, and starting to just shit on the other team and cheer on their their friends and and uh, classmates. So it's just a whole new world. And uh, with this tournament, we Alex and I are not too happy, but the next gen is coming, and you know have to start having the conversation. Who do we think is going to break through the next? And you got to look at Titi Pass, Averov, Dennis, uh, Team, Medvedev. There's five of those. And then you got Sinner. Uh, you got other guys behind him. But there's a good crop of guys. It's just these guys are not the greatest to represent a sport or be the head of a face of the sport. You know, you look at Aaron Judge and Mike Trout. They can, they're great because they have a good image. Nice guys, love talking to the media, smile, always interact with kids, go up to kids, sign their balls, stuff like that. It's just, it's a whole different, whole new world. And uh, I don't want to say this, but I got to say it. I, I think tennis is losing their value in the world because of these, these guys. And I don't think many people say that. That's why we're a different podcast. You know, we, we talk about the un, the, we don't really focus on the political correct, you know, terminology. We're kind of away from that. And uh, I don't think there's been enough conversation in the in the tennis uh, community or world. You know, obviously the commentators are a little can only say so much, but I think that's where we're going. And uh, Alex and I are, are uh, want to talk about that and, and are, are have the balls to talk talk about it like that. I mean, yeah, for sure. Uh, and that's definitely another reason why I even joined Crack Rackets in the first place, because I think that their uh, ideas um, about tennis and the direction it needs to go in, um, you know, were, uh, were the same as mine and the same as Clark's. And that's why we uh, bonded from kind of from the get go. But yeah, I mean, that college thing, that's the thing with these pros. It's like, these other sports actually promote college, as I said. Like, you got to play high school hoops, you got to play high school football to then go to college. And then in college, you know, you kind of got to play college sports pretty much 90% of the time to then get drafted. There's a little, there's other routes, like a Lamella ball route, but I mean, he still went to high school. And so he got that well rounded thing. But I mean, most guys, 99% of guys are going to college and they have to, and that's, and that's a great thing. So it's, it's promoted. If you want to go pro, you kind of, it's, you, you are forced to go through that system. So I think it's a good thing having that in place and uh, it just makes you tougher. You know what I'm saying? Like think about getting heckled on the tennis court. Think about, uh, you know, just having to deal with different things. Like even like, I mean, I know they'll like probably get death threats or racial slurs or something like that. But even me playing a college tournament in Alabama, I speak Spanish and I was getting, you know, heckled by some frat boys and like stuff like that. I mean, it's not good, but it makes you tougher. So then when you're on that big stage and, you know, you're getting booed at the U.S. Open being Novak Djokovic playing an American, you don't really take it personally. It's just like that's the way it is, you know, Um and yeah, I mean, I, I love these I love these uh, gambling lines. I can't wait until I'm able to start betting on on things. Right now, I still can't, but I got to live vicariously through you, Clark. Um, these this next gen is going to be very interesting. What I do like about it, and this is what's so awesome about this slam right now, is the only good thing that came um, from Djokovic doing what he did is. The fact that for the first time in a long time, we're going to have a first time Grand Slam winner. And I think that that is like so cool because my favorite uh, era of tennis, the one that made me fall in love with tennis was the early 2000s era. There was personalities in the 70s, 80s, 90s, but those personalities were still there in the 2000s. Yet there were so many good players that there was so much parody and parody is what makes something interesting. That's why the NFL and college football are so appealing because you really don't know what's going to happen. And just seeing all these different players, no one was like dominating with like 10 grand slams. You had like Agassi in the 2000s winning like three or four grand slams. You had Hewitt winning two grand slams. You had Fed winning four or five. You had Roddick winning one. You had um, and Juan Carlos Ferreira winning one. You had Carlos Moya winning one. You had Guga Curtin winning one. So everyone was getting a little nibble, but that just goes to show how how closely matched all these guys were. And you had different guys making slam finals like Baghdadis, Sanga, um, one of my personal favorites, Gonzo. So that level of parity, if that can return to tennis with this next generation, I think will be a very, very beautiful thing. 
But along with that parody, I mean, those guys also had a personality. I mean, Safin, the dude literally talks about going out in Miami till 6 a.m. the night before a match. And it's just like, that'd be unheard of now. And I get that you have to be professional. But then again, you know, we're still young guys and sometimes fun stuff happen. It could be something as small as like a locker room prank. You don't even need to, you know, drink alcohol for it to be cool. It's just like... That, you know, opening up that personality and getting that parody back would be something that would be very, very beautiful to the sport. And I mean, talk about also just like aside from just uh, what's happening on the court. Uh, I mean, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the booth and where where it's kind of awful there, too. Yeah, I mean, you got to look at the booth and it's kind of it's players that have played in the 78, 70s and 80s. I'm a huge McEnroe fan. I love, love, you know listening to McEnroe on, on the mic, uh, broadcasting a final. I think he's great, but I think you got to mix in some newer newer guys that just came off the tour. Uh, you know, and ESPN did a really good job of hiring James Blake. I think that was one of the best hires they could possibly do, especially for the Open. I don't know what his contract says, but if they could hire like him uh, and some other guys that are kind of fresh off the tour, if they could give – erotic a, a deal like uh, Tony Romo got. So when I look at it, I look at it in terms of every, I'm a huge sports fan. So I got, I look at it across the board. You look at the NBA, you got Chris Webber, you got Reggie Miller. Great. You know, and you got people with uh, like, you know, if you look at every team, there's players that just came off Richard Jefferson. He's been uh, excellent. Kendrick Perkins. I love those guys. I tune into Jay Williams. NBA Jump. Yeah. NBA jump because I want to listen to these guys because I don't know what they're going to say because they're going to say some funny shit about something and they're going to it's going to it's going to elevate somehow because they're going to get in a conflict and they're going to talk. So the NBA does great. MLB you MLB is a pastime and you can't really have much uh, personality in the game. I think in the booth it's kind of conservative and you're just talking about like hey two one pitch and stuff like that and. I mean, it, there's newer faces in there, and A-Rod has done a good job, I think, kind of mixing it up and bringing in new faces and a new culture of broadcasting. But when I look at tennis, we're kind of the odd odd man out of the sport because we only have a few guys in there. And then you look at Tennis Channel, you look into Shiris, um, Mary Carrillo. I don't even know who's on Tennis Channel because I can't watch it because it's just so – like lackadaisical and boring. We need some excitement. And, and they've just hired Andy Roddick in some form or facet. I'm not Part-time, really yeah. sure yet. Part-time, maybe. But they need to hire him full-time. So if we can bring in the newer age and have a little bit of like behind-the-scenes footage, you know, and that's what Cracked Rackets is trying to do. We're trying to bring in uh, the younger generation and bring in the behind the scenes, the mic'd up. Uh, look what they're doing off the court. They have personalities off the court. I think Tommy Paul has a great personality. Tiafo has a great personality. These Americans they have do. good personalities, but they need to they need to learn how to market themselves. So broadcasting is a big thing because you're watching the match, but you're also listening to what the commentators are saying. So if we can kind of uh, make an adjustment in the next few years and hire some younger people and people that know the sport really well like you have uh people on podcasts you look at ben rothenberg he's good so you know gruskin's done a good job so if you can have people like that um maybe get into the commentating world that that changes that changes the the game instead of having these 70s and 80s tennis players you know chris everett talking about what she did in 1940 about how she won a grand slam and stuff like that it's a different age now yeah, it's a different age. Really quick, I just want to like piggyback um, on what you were saying about the tenth man on the Blazers and money and a career after tennis. Even the dude that's a, the tenth man on the Blazers, which is probably like the three hundredth best player in the NBA, is still making a couple million dollars a year. I mean, the minimum is like I think it's like eight hundred thousand, or it's, it might be a million, but they're pulling in a million dollars probably around that. The 400th tennis player or 300th tennis player is probably that amount of money at the end of his career in the red, like probably down. He's losing money. So, 
I mean, yeah, I don't even know if that's a good comparison because, and that's why it's so important for these guys to focus on what they can do after their careers as well. Because I mean, if you're 50 or 60 in the world and you have a great career, unfortunately, I'll just give you a good example. Like my coach at Auburn, Bobby Reynolds, who's a great guy and he was a great tennis player, achieved a lot. He made it to 60 in the world and he made a good career, um, a fantastic career. But if he was 60 in the world in the NBA, he could be in a position where you wouldn't have to ever work again in tennis. I mean, Obviously, he's doing great, but um, he's still going to have to have a job afterwards. Uh, that's why, aside from his love of the game, he's coaching. You know what I mean? Um, so there's there's definitely that. And talking about the booth, I think, like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are horrible. McEnroe is one of my favorites. I don't like his brother. Um, I enjoy uh, I enjoy Roddick a lot. And I think talking about, like, the MLB and A-Rod – uh, you, and also the jump and NBA, you got to look at the camaraderie too. You should get like Roddick, uh, Blake, and then, you know, who'd be an awesome name. I think I would love to see Marty fish. If you had those guys on a show all together and them just shooting the shit going back and forth. Now that would be something that I would tune in and watch. It'd be entertaining. And they also are fans of other sports. Uh, James lives in my, uh, or he lives close to where I do in San Diego and he plays at the same golf course uh, that I do. And so he's at the club all the time. So I see him all the time playing these big money games. He's playing with Canelo. He's just, he's doing his thing. And Roddick also, you know, he was on that Fox sports show where he was talking about a variety of topics. So they could blend it just like inside the NBA on TNT is the best show ever because those guys are, I mean, aside from being great analysts, they are, uh, I mean, they're just fucking entertaining half the time. Like I'd say they talk about basketball 15% of the time. The other percent of the time, they're just making fun of each other and shooting the shit. And so when you see somebody in the booth, like Leif Shires, which is like fucking, I mean, watching paint dry is more entertaining than that. Or Mary Carrillo. It's, uh, it's just not, it's just not fun. And then I'll give you another example, something like, I mean, they have this in other sports, but they really have an analyst heavy, uh, dose of people working for them um so they have a lot of player opinion so you know that the facts that you're getting are good facts but like ricky uh rick fowler for instance i mean he's a good he's a very very good uh journalist and media personality but the problem is the guy never played tennis in his life he was uh on uh college football um you know, game day for 10 years before he even started commentating tennis. So it's like, there's guys like that. Then there's the old heads. I don't mind having the old heads because I think the right old heads, just as we did with our podcast a couple of weeks ago with Guy Fritz, you can see that those guys, unlike the new guys, they're not really concerned now. They don't have to worry about protecting their brand. They can just really tell their stories because what they did 30 years ago, 10 years ago, can't really hurt them now. So you can normally get a lot of stuff out of those guys um, and some great stories, which provide entertainment but so I don't hate on the old guys too much but it's also definitely mix it in with some young guys who are relevant who just came straight out who know uh what it was like uh like we mentioned in the pre-show yesterday uh someone like Bethany um for our viewers you know Bethany Bethany Maddox Sands um you know doing something now too so it's just like more of that and uh and I think the results will be good. You know, I don't need Cliff Drysdale telling me what the f***ing score is, uh, you know, when I can see it on my screen or him saying big point here when it's break point at five all in the fifth set. It's like, I mean, as a viewer, also respect my intelligence a little bit. Like, I'm not fucking dumb either. Like, I can see that. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that uh, that argument is pretty, pretty solid because it's just when I'm like, it's a Thursday night. And the uh, give me a, the Suns are playing the Wizards on a Thursday at, at Sunday night, or sorry Thursday at nine o'clock, and I'm just sitting there. There's nothing on TV. I'm like, oh shit, damn, this is uh, in about five minutes. Inside the NBA is gonna be on for halftime. I look forward to watching Inside the NBA more than I do actually watching the game times, and obviously not in the playoffs. But you know, it's funny how they can. They can market themselves like that and uh, create a platform for tons of people to watch. It's because they have younger players. Uh, I mean, younger guys. Charles is, what, almost 50. Kenny's almost 50. And Shaq probably uh, is mid-40s or something like that. But they're still younger and they have a personality. They don't have that anymore. Yeah, I mean, if you watch... They're, if you look at, like, mm -hmm. ES, if you go to ESPN Plus and you watch just the, the U.S. Open footage... There's this guy. There's one guy talking. Why can't we have? Why can't we bring in a new face? 
and help a new phase. promote the sport instead of just being a boring mother I'm just going to press mute and I'm going to listen to like a music or something else. It's just, it's annoying at the end of the day, but uh, the NBA playoffs have done a good job of helping their sport grow with the commentators, you know, having Jeff Van Gunny, he's hilarious, and Mark Jackson, and coaches that were just there, Chris Webber, they, they have a good value. And then they do interviews and stuff like that. So, I mean, they promote the sport and they tie people into watching the interviews. And uh, I just don't think the U.S. Open has done a, a good job of, of doing that in that aspect. It's camaraderie. It's camaraderie and chemistry. And, you know, it's also just like what we're trying to do here is just not be afraid. Like, you know, what are you what are you going to do? Hopefully uh, we're, um, you know, proponents of that of that shift in the culture. And I think hopefully, you know, we're backed up uh, by some of these young American guys because they are cool. Like you said, Taylor, Francis, TP, Riley. So I think as far as like our country goes, it's like in a good position. But definitely some of those uh, European guys or South American guys got to step it up a little bit. Uh, and yeah, I mean, right now, dude, great, great time to be a sports fan. You know, we're almost out of time here soon. So I want to shift into this. Uh, we got obviously the U S open going on still. Um, you know, we got a couple guys in the semis. We got Carreño Busa in his second grand slam semifinal. Now we got Zverev in the semis and now we're looking to these, uh, two matches today. We have Serena going on right now. You got a little money on that. That's good. We got the playoffs right now in the NBA. We have in hockey, Stanley Cup coming, which is always interesting. I'm not even a hockey fan. Like, I don't religiously watch hockey, but it's, like, one of my favorite sports because it's just fucking ridiculous. It's like LeBron James on ice playing tackle football while trying to score a fucking puck. Like, it's just incredible. But then you see, also, we're heading into that month where uh, baseball is interesting for the only time of the year. And uh, we're about a few days away from having some NFL football. So... It's such a good time for uh, for sports fans. It's such a good time for uh, sports betters, my DGens, and uh, it's exciting. Um, what are you uh, What are you thinking about these playoffs? What are some of the bets you've taken too? Yeah, I've. Uh, I mean, Giannis and the Bucks go out yesterday. Giannis can be comparable to Djokovic because they're both soft, and you can't play game four and five of. of Eastern Com- Conference semifinals with your team. I'm like, come on, you got to step it up and you got to grow a pair and you got to be out there for your team. I don't know if you're on. I don't care if you're on one leg. You gotta, you gotta step it up, especially in the contract year. So he was a little too uh, conservative there, I think. But when you look at the NBA playoffs, we've had a great, great. Um, I think the bubble's done a great job so far, and the camaraderie, uh, upsets, you know. Luca put on a show. The only thing I'm, the only game that I don't really look forward to watching is like Clippers and Nuggets because there's not that many, you know, there's stars, but there's not uh, that big a storyline. So that's probably the least interesting series, even though it is an interesting series because the Clippers are up 2 1 and Denver's been close uh, in game two and game three. They won game two, but game three they were pretty close and had a lead in the fourth quarter. So, uh, I think we got a really exciting next few weeks and a few months. You know, with, I'm a big Yankees fan. The Yankees are skidding. Uh, I think they've lost like six in a row. But uh, I just think it's going to be a good two or three months. You know, COVID hurt a lot of things. But when you looked at it in the end, October through or September through November is going to be an exciting period of time with the return of NFL football on Thursday night. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to putting a lot of money on these wagers, and I'm really looking forward to knocking wood for Serena to pull it out here and for uh, for me to have a big day. But if Serena doesn't pull it out here, I'm gonna be uh, it's gonna be tough. Yeah, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a tough one. Um, I mean, we'll see. But yeah, something that's cool is like it did get pushed back because of COVID, but now we have like 14 sports going on at the same time. And I mean, I don't care that the NBA is going to start later now because I mean, who really even cares about the NBA before Christmas anyway? So I don't mind a shortened season. I think it's going to make it kind of cool. 
Um, just going into some of these bets and some of the things I've been looking at when I like look at the lines, uh, you know, when I do my research uh, for the pod and everything like that. What I really, really love is the player props. Like, there's been some freaking like amazing ones. Like the other day, Pat Bev, it was like the it was over over five five and a half points. He got it within the first like. 10 minutes of the game then i i see Jokic, and the last two games it was the fr- game two was set at 40 points rebounds and assists total and game three was set at 38 and a half i think and so it's like the dude's a f- walking triple double you can pretty much bet on him getting close to 10 rebounds and assists and then he's going to score probably at least 20. So right there, you're already covered. But the guy could also score like 35. And you know those rebounds are going to come. I actually like that Nuggets-Clippers series just because I really like watching Jokic play. And I like watching Jamal Murray. I think he's a firecracker. Kawhi is just like, I mean, he's a silent killer, but he's an assassin. There's an interesting dynamic. Also, I just watched them and I pray to God that they lose because I'm a big Lakers fan. I'm like, you know frothing at the mouth watching LeBron play last night. I mean, the Lakers are looking super good. On the east side, I mean, Giannis, I mean, I mean, he just, and that was a dud. That was a flop right there. I see his eyes, and I see the same look that I saw in LeBron James's eyes in, you know, 2009, 2010 when uh, he lost the Celtics, and uh, then he made his uh, infamous decision. But I, I don't know. I mean, he has another year on his deal, but I think we see him like – if they can't get anyone to join him, I think we see him joining a team like Miami. And aside from pulling a LeBron, even going further and pulling a KD and going to the team that kind of busts his ass. And uh, it's going to be interesting. You see um, you see guys like Tatum, they're really stepping up. And so the East is like, they've, they've got some young stars. But I don't know. Um, I think Giannis and the Bucks uh, really, really have to do uh, some reflecting. And if they want to keep that man, they got to they gotta do some some major, major changes. I think Middleton's a good, he's an all-star, but he's kind of, he is underrated. I think they need one more guy that can go along with Giannis. I don't know who it would be. Um, He's got a good team around him. He's got a good bench. I just think he looks like LeBron with the, kind of the Cavs team a few years ago. But he had Kevin Love and Kyrie, but after that he didn't have, uh, he just had Kevin and Kyrie was out, but he, LeBron just kind of had to do everything himself. So to me, Giannis kind of had to do that, but he had Chris Middleton. So I think they need a few more players, and they need to kind of mesh that team a little bit better. I don't think that team uh, goes together that well. Wesley Matthews is a good player. It's a Wesley Matthews average. had a great player prop the other day. I think it was set at like eight or like 11, and that guy can go off. Yeah, no, he can. So if they can have a few more younger, on-the-rise players, I think their team is a little old. You know, Corver, they have the Lopez brothers, they have Marvin Williams just retired. So they need a few more uh, younger players that can get up and down the court because the NBA is turning into a fast play, fast-paced league where everyone's scoring 100 to 110 a night. And if you get a team under... 105, you're usually going to win the game. So I'm really excited to see the next few weeks how they play out. I want the Lakers to win it all. I want the Yankees to win it all. And uh, I, kind of, I think I'd like to see Vegas win on the, the hockey side. I think that would be a good storyline. And I think for the Open, it, Serena needs to come back here and she needs to win it all. The storyline and get and pushes Djokovic's name aside so people can start talking about, hey, is Serena the best ever? Is she the GOAT? She just got number 24. So. I think that would be important. And then on the guy's side, I don't really care. I don't like. I think Medvedev's a prick, but I, I think I'd like to see team team win. He's lost in three Grand Slam finals, so I think it's going to be a very intriguing pack with storylines uh, the next few months, and it should be an exciting time to actually watch Sports Center. Like other time, while Serena just hits a left hand and forehand and wins the point, that's fucking big. Left thirty four three. So uh, I'm going to be sweating. Sweating Serena for the next 20 minutes, so I have to go back on court. But uh, I know we're, Alex and I are excited to, to tune in and uh, to watch the lines. I think Alex is going to uh, suggest some bets for me in the next few weeks. So I'm looking forward to that because Alex is a very knowledgeable, knowledgeable guy with a lot of good but hot takes that we all can agree on. 
Yeah, Clark, I'm glad you're, um, you know, you're such a fan of underdogs, you know, the Lakers, the Yankees, Serena. It's nice, it's nice to see, you know, you really, you really go, uh, you pick David, huh? But no, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot going on right now. And uh, I, I, I told you, I'm fucking, I'm obsessed with the player props. There's some really good ones out there. So for you guys looking for some side action, aside from just betting on the spread or the game or th- something like that, definitely look into those. Um, do not f***ing do PJ Tucker. He will break your f***ing heart. I literally, I see why people send death threats now. Um, my friend had a little money on TJ. TJ had to score. It was set at eight. And I mean, that guy, like game one, I think he scored 20. He can go off on threes. And then f***ing, like the dude literally scored three points because James Harden would never pass him the ball. And then f***ing Russell Westbrook forgot how to play basketball in the last two years. So I don't know what's going on, but yeah, that'll get that'll get you guys triggered. But check out those player props for sure. Um, keep looking at the tennis. Root our, uh, root our girl Serena on to make that GOAT debate no longer a debate. I already think she's a GOAT, but after this, there'll be no more argument. And uh, yeah, we'll keep you up to date with everything that's going on. Um, always a big thank you to our fans for listening. And uh, also a huge thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings and uh, Crack Rackets and my partner, Clark. It's uh it's been a good one. We got a couple big weeks ahead of us, so uh, stay with us, uh, you know, to get up up to date to the latest on all these topics. So we're really going to hammer out uh, a lot of betting talk, and uh, you know, we got the French Open coming up too in the tennis world. Yeah, I think the French Open's going to be really interesting. Uh, I think uh, I'm going to lean heavy on the doll. Serena just broke at five three in the second set, so we're starting to rock and roll now. And uh, Parankova looks a little gas, so. Uh, my money's looking better and better as the minute goes. But uh, exciting few weeks in tennis especially, but exciting few weeks in sports. And if you listen to this podcast, uh, we're very hard to stay on schedule when we talk about everything. Uh, tennis, basketball, baseball, hockey, a bunch of different shit. And Yeah, shout out to Dustin trails. Johnson, by the way, for winning $15 million this week. It is. So uh, maybe one, one day that'll be you and I. But we'll be, uh, we'll be in What's the up? I think I think our tennis careers are starting to uh, downfall. But uh, <laughs> another another good episode with you, Alex, and uh, we'll see you guys again next week. And we're gonna probably recap the U.S. Open. Hopefully, Serena's on top, and then look at the French Open and talk some Lakers basketball and whatever else is going on in the world. So another great episode, and we look forward to listening to you guys, hearing from you guys in the next few weeks. And hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Deuces. <laughs>